hustlers, road players, tournament champions. Hear the stories, get their advice, learn about their lives. Our host, Joey Ryan, brings you an inside look at the professional pool player. You're listening to the Pool Player Podcast, brought to you by Pool Scene 365. Hey, thanks for tuning in. It's Joey Ryan with Pool Player Podcast. Today's episode is a great one. We have a great young talent, Chris Robinson. Chris has won the Cole Dixon Memorial. He's had some high finishes in the Swanee, uh, second and a third place. He also finished fifth in the Diamond Las Vegas Open with a, a ton of great players in that event. And in 2020, you all saw it. He was on the Moscone Cup team, and he played really steady throughout that event. Some of the things that we dove into in this episode were really how he got his start playing pool. Also, uh, his junior experience and how that kind of led him to becoming a professional pool player. And then his experience at the Moscone Cup, what that meant to him and, and kind of how he felt about being selected and playing in that event. So it's a really great episode and I thank you for tuning in. Before we dive in, I've had a bunch of people ask me how they can support what we're doing with Pool Player Podcast. And I, I just really appreciate everything you guys have done so far. We're up over 1,300 subscribers, and that's the biggest thing. Uh, over 60% of the viewers are not actually subscribers. So if you would, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and that notification bell so you're updated whenever I launch new content like today. Also, I recently launched a merchandise shop where you can go and purchase some merchandise. So I'll put that link up here. And it's just helping to support the podcast. Whatever comes in from that is going to go right back into better equipment, uh, getting me to different places so I can interview new people and things like that. Finally, I started a Patreon account. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but it was really cool setting it up. So if you go to my Patreon account, again, the link's right here, you'll see ways that you can support the podcast with a monthly donation. Uh, it starts off with just a few dollars and goes up to higher tiers, including sponsorship for the podcast if you're interested. And so check out the Patreon and be a part of what we're doing here because it's really exciting and there's certain ways that you can get involved, which I think some of you will really appreciate. So again, thanks so much for your support. And now on to Chris Robinson. Hey, Chris, I know you've been busy, man, and we've been trying to connect for a while. So uh, thanks so much for making it onto the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Joey. It's been, uh, it's been a few, you know, few weeks or months or years. I don't even know <laughs> how long it's been since we first tried, tried to start doing this. But uh, yeah, I'm glad I finally made it on. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited to get to know more about you. So why don't we start with you telling us, how did you get involved? How did, how did you get started playing pool? So my uncle, Kevin Farrell, he had a, his last name's Farrell. It's kind of funny. Um, <laughs> is, anyway, his, his, is his middle name Ivory? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, uh, he's, he was a really good local player. His high run in straight pools, like 56 or 60 or something like that. He's a pretty strong player for locally. And uh, I was at his house. Uh, we always used to go to his house for family stuff, family gatherings like Christmas, Easter, stuff like that. And uh he had a pool table and a pool and I used to go jump in the pool every day until I was turned about 14, 13, 14. And then one day I just didn't want to jump in the pool for some reason. And I went and played a few games with him. And, uh, from then on it, you know, he's helped me a lot. 
And from then on, I was just hooked. And I don't know, from there, it was just over. I just only wanted to play pool. And I made as much time as I could for it. And I was playing baseball and basketball during the time. And, uh, you know, just pool was the thing that stuck out to me. When did you realize that you are a pretty good player or that you're pretty good at the game? Oh, um, in 2013, I went to my first junior nationals, which was my first uh, real big tournament. Uh, I got, I think I ended up getting ninth or 12th out of, uh, in my age group, which was 15 to 18 years old. Uh, I was 15 at the time. And, uh, you know, I just, I knew that I was good for my age and, um, I just made that my tournament I focused on and, uh, from then on, I just played year round just to try to win that tournament. And uh, I got ninth at that year with my first real big tournament that I played in. And then after that, I just figured, you know, might as well try to win it. You know, I don't have any much else going on. So. So you were a part of the program at Lindenwood University, right? Tell us, you know, kind of about that experience and what that meant to your pool career. Well, actually, uh, that experience probably got me to where I am now because if I never went out there and went and tried to play new players and get adjusted to a whole new setting, you know, I've up until then I went in 2016 to 17 and up until then I was basically only in California. I never went to Derby. I never went to any of the bigger tournaments. And, um, you know, this was just, it was a huge move for me and my parents are super supportive and they wanted me to go to college and, I just, I couldn't, didn't really know what I want to do in college, but I know there was a pool team there and I keep my pool game, in, you know, intact and try to get better. And Mark Wilson, he's an amazing instructor and he was a really good mentor for me during those, you know, formative years. And, you know, he really kind of, it was kind of like a drill sergeant, you know, every day, but that's what I needed. I needed structure. I needed, uh, you know, something to do every day and I needed better mechanics also. And he helped with all of that. And, uh, I was able to go to my first derby after that during that school year. And, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I was a college kid. I, you know, we, I didn't have much money because, you know, I'm in college and can't really do much and I uh, couldn't, couldn't really have time for a job because I needed to focus on pool and school. But, uh, you know, I got a job. I got a job for a little bit. Uh, it's kind what of fun. Did, what did, Chris, what did you do? Uh, I was a, I was a bus boy at Hooters. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> okay sorry <laughs> i was uh i was in english class and uh this girl that i was friends with uh she said i just telling her that i'm gonna thinking about getting a job and she goes well you should you should uh work where i work and she just kind of said it pretty vaguely and i was just like oh you know where do you work and she's like, Hooters. And I was like, well, what am I going to do there? I don't think, you know, <laughs> people will come to see me in that outfit, you know. But uh, <laughs> so I anyway, I went there and I guess they got the vibe that I wasn't a total creep. So I got the job and uh, and then I played it in a few pool tournaments and won, you know, a lot more than what I was getting. It was like 625 an hour there. Uh, you know, I was only working four hours a day three days a week. I'm like, that's not going to cut it. So, uh, and then I went to a tournament and, uh, okay. So this is how it worked. I told, I told the, uh, you know, this, I'm like a month in on my job 
and I tell them, I say, Hey, you know, uh, I'm feeling real sick. <laughs> I'm feeling real sick. I can't come in, uh, this weekend. And they're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I've been perfect up until this time. Right. Like I've come on, I'm on time. I'm not weird to the girls. Uh, they all like me, they tip me and you know, they, I do a good job for them. So, uh, I had some leeway there and I kind of took advantage of it a little bit, but I, there was this tournament in, uh, Cape Girardeau, I think it was called CRs. Cape Girardeau, Missouri, me and my friend Tanner Standerford go out and we, we take my uh, 2002 Hyundai Elantra has like 200,000 miles on it. And we take it out there. It's like shaking on the freeway and, uh, <laughs> and we go to the <laughs> tournament. Right. And I didn't know this is my first tournament outside of California, really, except for junior nationals. And uh, so, you know, we're just, we're taking my car out there and mine is the most reliable out of our cars. Like that's, that's where we all were at this time. And, uh, we took, we go out there. I think I had like $40 bankroll and the entry was $20. Wow. I think I had $40 on me and then I could pull out another like 80 bucks. <laughs> so, you know, and then, uh, anyway, uh, we start the tournament and then I didn't realize that it was quarters. Oh, and I have to go to 13. All these other people have to go to like nine and five and all that stuff. Right. And so halfway through the tournament, I run out of quarters. <laughs> and I, the guy that bought me in the Calcutta, he only bought me for like a hundred bucks. I didn't know how Calcutta's worked or anything. And he didn't even ask me if I wanted half or anything. So I was just kind of, you know, didn't even know how it worked. Didn't know to ask for half or, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I went for like a hundred bucks in the Calcutta. He loaned me like 50 bucks for quarters. And then, uh, I end up splitting the tournament because this guy was super underrated. The other guy that, uh, went to the finals and I had, I played the first set. I didn't miss a ball. It's alternate break. I, I lost like five to four and I had to go to 13. Jeez. And so I was just like, all right, well I'll chop with you. Cause I know, <laughs> I know I'm getting heist. <laughs> uh, so we chop and I end up winning like I think tournament paid something like 2,700 for just, just the tournament. And then the guy that bought me the Calcutta ran off for like 3000. He gave me like $200, but, uh, you know, not better than nothing, but, uh, so anyway. And like $50, that, $50 in quarters too. Don't forget Chris. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And was, uh, after was, that we go straight, we, we don't even sleep. We can't go back to school and then come back because uh it's like it'd kill five hours so we go to we go straight to arkansas and we go to a chrome billiards and we play in uh we play in another little bar box tournament and uh i guess the word was out that that i'm a good player because i went for like twelve hundred dollars in the calcutta wow. right and i got like a quarter of myself you know i'm still new to calcutta's so and i'm getting second place to kenny loftus he he just drilled me in the finals and Anyway, that was my initiation to bar boxes and Calcuttas and all that. And, I, you know, I went from having like a $100 bankroll to four or 5000 And I just, from there, I just knew that, you know, this, this life's exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. It's yeah. a great story. You right. know, I hate, I hate those tournaments where you have to pay the quarters, you know, because it, it, it really does add up, you know, oh, yeah. especially that, when you're going to those long races, you know, forget it. Yeah. Oh, especially. But, you know, needless to say, after that, I quit my job and uh, the perks were good and the job and whatever. But I made a lot of friends. But, you know, I just I just couldn't get myself to go work for six dollars an hour after I just won four thousand in two days. 
Yeah, I can imagine. It's not like it happens every weekend. Don't get me wrong, but you know, it's just it didn't it didn't keep this. I just when you I just wanted to go play. I just wanted to go practice, and I just wanted to go train and train and train, and so I could just play pool all the time. And yeah, what's what's that old expression? Money won is better than money earned. You know, so yeah, sure. yeah, I think we've all experienced that. So when do you feel like you arrived as a professional player? Professional player. Um, I'd say when I won the Cole Dixon, um, I won the Cole Dixon Memorial 2019. Uh, I beat Eddie Geronimo in the finals. I don't know if you know who that is, but mm-hmm. he's a really, really strong Filipino player. And uh, up and before that tournament, I could never beat him. You know, I just, I would get, he, he just, he runs out too smooth. He does this, he does this better than me. He does that better than me. He kicks better than me, blah, blah, blah. I kept telling myself all these things and, and so I'm at the uh, I'm playing for the hot seat at the Cole Dixon that's at uh, Family Billiards in San Francisco, and uh, we go there. Uh, I think me and Spencer Ladin, you know Spencer. I don't know. Okay, Spencer Ladin. He's a uh, he's 18 right now. Uh, I used to he's kind of like my road dog. He goes with me everywhere, and you know I used to from when he was like 13, 14. We'd go. I drive him up to hard times. He has no way of getting there, you know. So he's kind of grown as a player and I've kind of seen that whole thing happen, which is pretty cool. That's cool. Uh, so, you know, we go up there and I'm uh, playing for the hot seat against edgy. And uh, I think it's really close. It's like seven, seven or you know, five, five and a racist races seven. And uh, you know, I just miss a ball and that I really should never miss. I get in my own head and uh, you know, I lose to him. But in my head, I'm thinking I'm not as good as him during that match, right? So I, I don't think I should be 5-5 five, five or, you know, close with him, which is totally wrong. You know, you can't have that mindset and win. Um, but anyway, so uh, I lose that match to the hot seat, and then I come back and I beat everybody and get, get to play him again. And then uh, race to 11 or 13, I'm uh, – we go back and forth on racks – and this is like a three and seven eighths inch tight gold crown. That's like super worn in. And I don't have a lot of experience playing on this kind of equipment. So I'm kind of afraid of the pockets a little bit. I'm playing safe when I probably shouldn't, but just cause I'm afraid of the table. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just halfway through the set, I told myself, I said, if you're going to be afraid of these pockets, you might as well go play three cushion. <laughs> cause there, <laughs> there is no way that you're going to be able to make a ball if you're afraid of everything you shoot at. So anyway, I kind of got in my own head a little bit and told myself to man up and just, if you miss, you miss, but put a good stroke on it and just go into it with confidence. So that's what I kept doing. And, you know, I think, I think it was eight, six, he was beating me and then he locked me up on a safe. And then I think I posted this on a few of my social media accounts, but I kicked at it, kicked at it one, two, and then zipped it in and then ran out. So I kicked short rail, short rail, kicked it in and uh, ran out. And then uh, from then on, I just have that confidence. Like, you know, the only person that can miss is me. So why am I the only person that I'm responsible for is me. So why would I get in my own head and try to make myself play bad? You know, so I ended up winning that set and that kind of gave me a lot of confidence. And then I won my first Mez West State Tour that year. And then, uh, you know, I just every year I just beat more and more, you know, hot world-class caliber players. And you just keep getting, gaining more confidence, like a snowball effect. And I think, you know, during even the Moscone cup, I, I had a lot of confidence going into it. Cause I know I've beaten, you know, everybody. 
at once. So uh, at one point, so, you know, why, why be afraid? Yeah. And you know, you say something interesting there that you kind of had it in your mindset that you couldn't beat edgy. And so you didn't right until I guess you came to a place where you recognize that. And that's something that, you know, I've heard a lot of great players talk about. It's something I realized, right. That there's these players that you play against and if you believe you can't beat them, you won't beat them, right? You almost have to lie to yourself and say, you know what? I can play with this guy who plays better than me, um, but he doesn't play better than me. I'm going to lie to myself. <laughs> I play just as good as him, if not better. And sure. before you know it, that, that mental attitude actually takes you to beating that player and beating him consistently. And that's how you kind of climb the ladder. Have you noticed that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think my game... Um... Your, your, your game is only as good as you allow it to be, in my opinion, right? So, I mean, I think I've had, you know, a lot of talent and a lot of game already, but I think it's the mental part of it that has really come around for me in the past, I'd say, five months, four months that really gave me the validation that not, not for other people, but just for me that, you know, I belong in these situations. And if you're going to, if you're going to, if I'm going to pick pool as a career, I can't be afraid of anybody, you know, cause I'm going to have to play them all and I'm going to have to beat them all if I'm going to want to make a living playing pool. So, you know what, the, the, the worst thing you could do to yourself is psych yourself out. So, I mean, if you're, if you're training and you're prepared, then, uh, you know, you just learn from whatever you do wrong and that's all you can do, you know, just go out there and do your best. Yeah. So what do you do for fun outside of pool? Like, let's say, you know, you're just not going to go play pool. What is it that you do? You know, it's funny. I was watching uh, Mitch's when you interviewed Mitch and he was saying he likes to take, you know, drives and car rides and listen to music. And I love doing that. I like doing it by myself and just, just zoning out and just driving around and listening to music. And, uh, you know, I don't have a genre. It's really just, I, I like a little something from every genre. So it's like when people ask me what, what my favorite music is, it's just, I can't give them a description, but oh, really? I like doing, I like doing that. That's why I like traveling on road trips and stuff. Uh, that's always fun. And then uh, photography is my main passion. That's equal to me as far as it's, it's an equal passion to pull in my opinion for me. Um, you know, and I'm trying to get better at that, but uh, pool is a priority, but you know, photography on the side and then uh you know just hanging out with friends and just making new experiences on the road and traveling i'd like to see the whole u.s and uh you know a lot of all the other countries and continents so so chris if somebody wants to see some of your photography work where can they go to see it um on instagram it's chris in focus with two s's on the end of focus and on Facebook, it's just Chris Robinson Photography. I kind of posted a lot on my main page and kind of promote it. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you ever want any photos of yourself playing pool or, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get into doing weddings and I do uh, portraits for, uh, you know, graduation and stuff like that. So uh, basically anything, you know, and I, I'm pretty competitive with, not competitive, but I'm pretty on the lower side of cost wise because i love doing it so much it's not really a chore to me it's just something i get to do so uh for now you can get good pricing so you should take advantage of it everybody (laughs) can we can we get a discount code from the podcast yeah sure 
Okay. <laughs> we'll work that up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the Moscone Cup. Okay. So, you know, over the last, you know, several months, you know, as the buzz was starting to happen about Moscone, everybody, their eyes were on, you know, the final selection, who's it going to be? And um, tell us about the moment when your phone rang and you looked down and it was Jeremy Jones. I'm assuming this is how it happened, but if not, clear it up and take us through that moment, what you were feeling and, and how it went down. Well, I was actually in Arizona. I was in your homeland and uh, I was just get, just got done practicing with Evans. Hmm. Uh, we were, we were practicing or hitting balls, goofing around and uh, yeah, I was just hitting balls at main street billiards and I get in my car and I'm about to pull out of the parking spot. And Jeremy said, Hey, uh, do you have a second to talk? which isn't a good text when you think about it like just, <laughs> just without having any uh, knowledge about it. It doesn't sound good. Right. Yeah. You know, I was kind of thinking like it, it had to be, you knew a decision was coming and it had to be one of those things where it's like, I want to talk to him, but I don't want to talk to him. Was it kind of like that? Oh, I just wanted to get out of the way. What, whatever decision it was, I just wanted it out of the way, you know, okay. uh, cause I was doing, I actually, I went to uh, Arizona to just so I could practice. Cause there's, you know, there's no, just so I could practice in a pool hall and, you know, main street has that, you know, that 11 to five thing where it's still like 10 bucks. So I'd go there and practice and, you know, it's nice equipment and go to go over to bull shooters sometimes and just practice there. And, you know, it's, it's good little spots for practicing. And uh, yeah, I got, I got the call. So no, not the call. He sent me that text. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to text and drive. So I called him. I was on my way back to uh, Evan's house. Uh, and uh, he's just describing to me the first like three sentences. He said, well, you know, as you know, we had to, we had to pick us, pick somebody. <laughs> oh gosh. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, um, I'm glad for whoever it is, you know, good for them. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes you know the person i picked was really showing a good trend and getting better and i was just like yeah you're right you know all the, the other guys are good picks you know i can't you know and i was kind of expecting him to say the same thing that i've gotten the past few years where uh, you're trending upwards it's good you know you're getting better but here's some things you need to work on and, you know, come back next year. We really wanted to have you back next year because you're, you're getting better. But then he told me I made it and I, and I just went, yeah, 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 I'm sure. And then, and then I, I, I said, wait, what? <laughs> and then he goes, I go, are you being serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm being serious. I picked you. I'm my fifth person. Wow. And I said, I'm not being pranked or punked or anything. I'm just, this is real. And he said, yeah, why would I lie to you about this? So anyway, we're both pretty calm dudes. So Jeremy and I are pretty, you know, chill. So we were both, it was like the weirdest conversation. We were just like, uh, we were just basically, I basically was saying calmly like, well, you picked me really nice. And he's like, yeah, I, I just think that you're going to work, work really hard and show everyone that, I, you know, that you're there for a reason. And I just said, oh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Jeez. and we just kind of just i was like wow thank you i just couldn't stop saying thank you 
you know, because this is what I've dreamed of since I've been playing playing pool 14, 15. This is the, the end result. You know, this is the 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 thing that every American pool player, you know, dreams of doing. And, uh, you know, cause I immediately wanted to go back and go hit balls, but they were closed already. <laughs> so I was just like, you know, I was like the next day I wake up, I'm just ready to go play some more and get, get ready for Moscone Cup. But it didn't it did not. I promise you. It did not hit me until I had to play my first game of the team match. I didn't I, like, like I, I was there at, at Moscone cup. Sky played and then someone else played or Shane played and then sky played. And then it was my turn. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't feel like I was actually on the team until I hit the first ball. And I think I had 60 seconds on the shot clock and I shot with 55 seconds left. I just banked the ball. <laughs> I just banked a ball and just hoped it went in. I was just, I was, I just, I don't know. It was, that was the only, that was the only shot that I felt nervous on. It was just the very first one. Once I got that miss out of the way, I was like, all right, it's only upward from here. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like a football player who, until they get their first hit in a football game, they're nervous. And then once that happens, they just, yeah. So when he told you this and you were driving and I'm going to get to the actual Moscone cup and, and what happened out there in a minute, but you're driving, did you pull over? I mean, what were you feeling inside? You had to be like, just crazy inside. Yeah, I mean, I like I said, it didn't really hit me. Like, it, it didn't hit me until the announcement that it was official that I was on because I don't like getting my hopes up or anything, you know, because even though he told me I made it, I just – I really wanted it to be confirmed, confirmed before I told anyone. But, um, yeah, like, it, it's it was crazy, but um, – Awesome. Yeah, well, crazy. so – you know, you have the excitement of Jeremy making the call and then it getting released. And, you know, I'm sure that you were kind of on cloud nine and then you're a human being and tons of criticism came out online about the pick and people who didn't know you or thought you weren't ready. Right. What was that like? Kind of, um, you know, how did you handle that? All that criticism? Well, you know, I knew it was going to happen and I think it's a good thing that it happens because it means that there's a lot of fans out there that care about the Moscone cup and they care about the team USA and they all have opinions. And I think that's how the game will grow because we need a lot of stuff like this, where we have like, I wouldn't say like talking heads, you know, like Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman and all them, you know, they're good for sports because they keep the excitement going. They tell the news, you know, it's just, if it was, if it, if there wasn't any commentary, there wasn't any of that, I wouldn't be watching basketball. I don't, you know, it's not as exciting for me, but I love basketball. And I think a lot of the reason is because of the buildup and because everyone talks about it and whether this was a good move or this wasn't a good move. And this guy choked here, or this guy didn't could have made this move. And, you know, it's all, I think it's good for it. And I think we need more of that, but um, I, I don't know. It's, I think, I think it's good. I think it fueled me for sure because uh, I had doubt myself. That's everyone has doubt about themselves, you know, and I think, I think you can get to a place where all your hard work will, um, you know, I think just preparation meets opportunity. And if you're not prepared, the opportunity will just eat you alive because you know you're not prepared deep down. But if you put in all the work and, you know, up until this, I was practicing, 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 practicing more than I ever have because I know that this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, and um, 
I was just as prepared as I could be. And I knew that's which gave me more confidence going into the tournament. Yeah. Let's talk about that preparation. So, you know, obviously you were, you know, you knew this was a possibility. So you're probably preparing well before the event, but from the moment that you got the call until the event started, you know, take us through your training regimen. Well, it varied on each day. I mean, we had tournaments coming up to before Moscone Cup that I prepared for, like 10 ball. I practiced my 10 ball break, which doesn't apply to Moscone Cup. And, you know, honestly, I was I was so nervous before Moscone Cup that I didn't I was overthinking everything. I was thinking about what everyone thinks about me in those tournaments before the Moscone Cup. Which I was never more nervous than at those tournaments that didn't mean a lot. I was way more nervous in those tournaments that didn't mean much than I was in the Moscone cup because I had everyone looking at me and I felt like I was in the middle of a Facebook comment section in real life. Yeah. And, uh, I should, I mean, it's, it's hard not to think that way, you know, but, uh, I finally got to a place where I was so prepared before I went and I knew that I did all I could before I went out there that, you know, I, I was prepared. I was ready. And, um, there's really not much else, you know, there's not, I mean, once you have that, a lot of the anxiety goes away. Uh, it's still there. You're still nervous, but you just know that you did the best you could given the circumstances. Yeah. Uh, I would, I was practicing my break, my break. I broke really well. I usually, I, <laughs> me and Spencer were talking about this. We were saying, uh, dude, where did that break come from? You, you couldn't break the balls to save your life before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You were one of the better breakers in the tournament. The nine ball break was not my strong suit and I was practicing it, practicing it, practicing it. I had a, like, uh, I had a few p- different people tell me which, you know, obviously on the team, what what's the break, you know, this, this break is the nuts in this circumstance, blah, blah, blah. But I knew one way to break and that was hit him hard, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they're like, well, if you just pop it with an 18 mile an hour speed, and I'm like, all right, if I, if I take anything off this break, I'm going to scratch right in the side. And if I, and if I hit it too hard, I'm going to go all over the place. So I'm just going to break the way I break. Anyway. Um, we had like a rough day of breaking the whole team and uh, they were focusing on my break because I was crossing it and I was going to the other side and I wasn't hitting them right, but I was overthinking it. So then I watched a few videos of my old, my old days break and it was a lot more body and it wasn't just all arm. It was just a lot more body and I was really controlled with it and I knew exactly where to stand and all that. So I just figured that out. And then that first night I stayed up till 5am breaking in London and we were just, you know, everyone was asleep, but Shane was probably about to wake up and play, but he, uh, uh, you know, I just stayed there and just got until my, got my breakdown. And, uh, once I got my breakdown, I went back to my hotel room and, uh, I took a shower and then I just couldn't go to sleep till like 10, <laughs> you know, I was just up. I don't know. I was just so excited. And, uh, you know, the, the days don't start until six 30 there. That's when the matches start. So, um, I had to kind of get on track for the days there, but it was a rough few days getting acclimated, but, uh, you know, it's mostly just practicing my break and then, um, my pattern staying on the right side of the ball. Uh, cause that's big with clean balls. Cause it's hard. You can't just use the same inside English to get back in line. You know, you have to just take what the table gives you and kind of coast into position and, uh, you know, it's a whole different ball game with clean everything, you know, and, uh, 
one of my friend John, one of my friends John, uh, he has a he had his uh, his diamond table recovered uh, conveniently conveniently a few days before I needed to practice. So I gave him a few bucks and uh, was practicing my break and I was cleaning the balls every half hour with uh, with that uh, orange pledge stuff. Mm. And we were really uh, I I did the best I could before to really mimic the conditions. And obviously it's not going to be the same because you got the TV lights and all that make it super fast. But yeah, I did everything I could to be ready. And I think it showed. Who was your favorite teammate from Team USA? Um, I think, I think seeing Shane practice and seeing the dedication that, that he brings to every ball and every time he practices that helped me during the first few days, because I came there, you know, I was kind of just, I was ready to just do okay. You know, I was trying to just, just as long as I play my game. Right. But then I just saw him putting in hours on the table hours and we're, we're playing doubles and, if I take one shot off or two shots off, he was right there to, to be like, Hey man, like we got the Moscone cup in a few days. You need to straighten up and, you know, just, uh, you gotta, you gotta play it like you're playing a real game. Really? So he and, was pretty, uh, he was pretty hard on you. Yeah. But I, I respond well to that. That's that's I'd rather someone be hard on me than, you know, tell me everything I'm good at and not tell me what I need to work on, you know? So, yeah. um, He's always been honest with me. I've been I've been in contact with him because uh, you know I think I think he's one of the best, if not the best, American player we ever had, rotation pool wise, and um, you know just to see him in action and see him practice and his dedication to the game is just uh, crazy, and it makes me it makes me want to be you know the next Shane or not the next Shane but my own version of you know someone that will make a mark on the game for forever. So. Uh, seeing him seeing him work that hard just made me want to work even harder and uh, almost I didn't try to outdo him but uh, you know every time he did a shot I I had to shoot it too and show him that I could do it kind of thing you know, <laughs> uh, you know he's not this <laughs> yeah. kind of a competitive drive in me and uh, yeah I mean he's just I, I learned I probably I probably gained a year's knowledge in the few days that I was there just year or two knowledge just because uh you know we're playing doubles and i shoot a shot he's like no you actually get here because because of this or you know i'd rather you get here because to coast into position here you know just little things like that that just make your game help it tremendously and uh that's what i think a lot of the americans are lacking is uh sharing information and being open with each other and i think our team this year did a really good job of it we were all trying to help each other but the roles just didn't go our way. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, it's been a rough year for everyone for sure. Yeah. So give us a glimpse kind of into the, into what we don't see at Moscone, right? So you guys on day two fell pretty far behind. I'm sure there was a lot of frustration, you know, take us into like maybe a moment or two from backstage where we didn't get to see, but you know, what, what were the conversations like? Um, they're actually all positive. You know, there weren't, we didn't get really down on ourselves. We didn't do any of this. You know, we lost three Hill Hill matches in the second day, which could have gone either way. We didn't, we didn't play absolutely terrible. It's not like we can point a finger and say, okay, well, you know, this shot is the reason we lost, you know, it was Hill Hill a lot. Then they broke and ran a lot on the Hill, you know, so we practiced our lag for the third day and, um, 
you know, I, I think it was just Europe's year. I really, you know, I, um, I think we could prepare a little better next time. Um, but I, I really don't think it's any problem, but, uh, you know, it's just sometimes at a high level in pool, uh, you could, I don't know how to say it, but you could definitely, there's a lot of swing games, right? So I, I think that if I would have won my Kachi match and wouldn't run overrode that position and I win that game and win that match, then we're in a whole different ball game. You know, and if say Shane wins, we're up three, two going into day two, which is a whole different thing. And, um, you know, I'm not putting the whole blame on myself, but I've always been taught by my mom and dad and, you know, playing team sports that you always point to figuring it yourself. You never point it at someone else or teammates and, uh, you know, after that match, I really, I just kept thinking about it, dude. I, I couldn't, I couldn't fall asleep that night. I went to go practice more in the morning, like early in the morning, like two, 3 a.m. Cause I just, I couldn't go to sleep and I just kept practicing, kept practicing, kept practicing. And, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of my teammates saw that and they got, uh, you know, that gave them a little confidence that even though I lost, I'm still going to try my best and, uh, I'm still going to go out there and fight. So the second day I played a lot better. Uh, I don't think I played that bad the first day. I mean, I, I mean, I, I just missed position on a ball and then I probably should have played safe, but that's where the experience thing comes in. Uh, now I know if I'm in that position, especially it puts all the heat on him. Cause you know, it, he has to either bank the ball in or thin a ball and you know, that that's not easy. So uh, that's what I should have done. Um, but you can't, I can't change it. And uh, I just knew that I was going to be ready for all my possible, um, you know, all my possible shots in the next few days. So I just take advantage of those and that's all I can do. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I was, you know, you and I had already been talking about doing a podcast before Moscone cup. So, right. and you were great to work with, you know, we missed connection a couple times, but it wasn't your fault. You know, it was just, it didn't come together, but I was really impressed by how open you were and yeah, let's get this scheduled. And so I was instantly pulling for you in Moscone cup and really to silence a lot of the people, a lot of the critics. And I think if, if people are looking back at the match, I watched every minute of the, the, the event, the whole event. And if people look back at it and they're going to point their finger to any mistake that you made, I think it is that seven to the eight ball in that rack. For sure. And I wish you didn't make that mistake, not just because I was pulling for the United States, but I was pulling for you, you know, and I wanted it to be definitive. Like, no, he belongs. And I even had a video that came out talking about how you belong. Um, and so take us back to that moment. What, what do you think happened there from that seven to the eight? You think that was adrenaline or, or what? Well, you know what it was? I actually, the shot, I took my shot clock extension on the two ball, the opening shot, because I wanted to make sure I got the right angle on the three. Cause it was a kind of a touchy, I'm kind of jacked up a little bit. I kind of had to stun forward off the rail, which is not easy. So I took it on that and, uh, I didn't manage the shot clock as well as I could have, but that's also, again, experience. Um, uh, you know, I got to the ball and uh, I just, I didn't, I thought the eight ball was lower down than it was. I did not check because I didn't have time to check because the shot clock was going off right when I got down because hmm. I knew I had to rush. Right. So I, d I think there's a whole thing and I didn't designate where I wanted my cue ball. So it was liable to go anywhere. Yeah. 
you know, I, I think a part, part of it was the adrenaline and, um, you know, I don't, I don't think, see, cause I, I'm man enough to admit when I dogged it, but I just, I think I just, I didn't think I dogged it. I just thought I, uh, well, I guess I kind of dogged it a little bit, but like, just, just like, I just, I don't know. I just made a rookie mistake, I think. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's really interesting because, you know, you got to take this and you got to build from it and you point to your shot clock management. And I actually brought that up with Jeremy about the two ball. And I thought that you took a little too much time on the two ball, which maybe you could have, and don't get me wrong, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Yeah. But if you had that extension on the eight ball, you probably play safe or you probably think of, you know, something that you're going to do there that's going to work out better to your advantage. And uh, Jeremy kind of dismissed it a little bit. I think he, he said that the two ball was the key shot. Um, but you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. And I think in your next Moscone cup, your next, you know, big event like that, that has a shot clock, you know, you're probably going to be more prepared and, and realize how to manage that. I mean, that's something that I would say 99% of all pool players in the world will never have to deal with a shot clock. Tell me more about managing that shot clock and how that went for you. I mean, I had, I've had a few run-ins with the shot clock before and, uh, it was usually nicer to me than that match. <laughs> um, yeah, I played with it in the Atlantic Cup, and I did it. I, I managed it really well in my singles match. And, uh, you know, I've had a few experiences with it, but um, I think it all comes down to my pre-shot routine. And uh, I think, you know, just not going over and checking where, where it should have been was, you know, just a big, a big thing. And I'll definitely work on that for sure. So I was fortunate enough to be a part of the press conferences, you know, at the end of each day and, uh, you know, at the end of the event. And I was there for a really special moment. And that was when Jason Shaw unsolicited said, you know, I want to, you know, hats off to Chris Robinson. He played great. I thought that he would be the downfall of the U.S. team, but he held his own and he played great. And when he said that, the entire European team started clapping. I know you have to have seen that by now or heard about it. Mm. You know, what did that, how did you feel hearing that? Yeah. I mean, Jason, Jason and I uh, have always been pretty cordial with each other and we've been pretty cool with each other. Uh, you know, every, every time we play, <clears throat> I think we played two or three times and every time I've asked him, you know, about certain shots and what, what to do on this shot, blah, 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 you know, and he's always been really nice to me and gave me detailed answers. And it all just comes down to him telling me that I'll get it once I get a certain amount of experience. Right. And, uh, you know, he's the same way when he was, he made those mistakes at a certain age, you know, and, uh, that's all it comes down to really. I mean, every time I ask a top player, anything, they just go, you're not scared enough of missing yet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Alex always tells me that he goes, you, you don't know that you can miss yet. So it's harder to miss. <laughs> and, I don't know. But Jason's always been real nice to me and uh, we've always had a lot of respect for each other. And uh, the whole him with the rest of the team and the snake thing, I'm not sure what that was about. And I really just, I don't know, kind of got it off on kind of wrong foot, but um I don't think it matters. I think it was something that I don't even think, even if it was anything, I don't think it was much. And uh, he just needed some kind of a mental thing against us so that he would, you know, try to just kill us, you know? So I think it worked for him in that aspect of it. And I think it kind of, 
not rattled, but it kind of gotten uh, the team's head a little bit, you know, had to have. So uh, those mind games don't always work, but uh, they worked. I think they worked this trip. Um, I, I, I don't really care personally. Like I, I don't really get, sh- it's hard to, it's, it's hard to shark me for one. And it's hard to get in my head to uh, let me, I don't know. It's just pool at the end of the day, you know, so yeah. it's hard, but uh, yeah, me and Jason have a lot of respect for each other. And um you know, it, it's cool that he said that. And, uh, you know, hopefully I can say that about him. And when I hold up my MVP trophy next year. So there you go. So I know you've had some great coaching, uh, especially over the last several years. And, you know, I'm sure it was great working with Jeremy and Joey. They're great, you know, instructors and teachers. Um, have you picked up maybe a piece of advice over the years that would be good for an up and coming player or somebody trying to improve just, just something that could really help them with their game. Um, I'd say, uh, I'd say there's a lot of little pieces of info I could give out. Uh, just know that if you're a junior player and you have any questions, I'm always here for you. You can message me on Facebook, Instagram, or it doesn't matter. You can come up and talk to me. You could do whatever you want. I will be supportive of you and, uh, if you need drills to do, if you want mentorship or you want lesson, I'll give it to you for free. It doesn't matter. I, if you're an American junior or actually any junior, you know, I, I, if you're looking to get better, I'm here for you hundred percent. And I'll give you all my resources I have because we need to uh, help out junior pool in a big way in America. And uh, we need more Tyler Styers. We need more Chris Robinson's. We need more Sky Woodward's, Billy Thorpe's, you know what I mean? We need, we need more of, younger players trying to do the right thing and uh be good people and you know they they just set an example for us for the sport and uh try to grow it and that's you you can't you know if you can't you can't keep a store open if you you know you don't have more customers yeah so i was going to ask you about that about growing the sport of pool you know do you have any thoughts or ideas about you know one of the things i'm trying to do with this podcast is you know, to get people thinking kind of creatively. And I know not, I'm probably not going to have one guest that comes on and has the answer, right? And we just right. run with it. But if we take a whole bunch of ideas that people have for growing the sport and kind of mesh them together, the good ideas, uh, we right. could maybe find something, a formula that hasn't been used yet. So do you have any ideas for growing the sport in the United States? Well, yeah, I mean, I think growing the sport in the United States, again, just starts with the junior players and we can make it bigger so that we have, a, you know, a wider audience to choose from, you know, in Moscone Cup because, uh, you know, we want the younger players to start coming in and making a name for themselves. And if we run out of younger players, it's not going to not gonna be much of a sport left. And it's not really going to be a sport if we don't have any more players left, you know, so. Um, I think Europe's doing a great job. There's a lot of young, young players that are just absolute monsters and, Philippines, Asia, it's all, all the same kind of thing. And uh, we basically, we need to change the, uh, the portrayal of pool, I think. And uh, that's why I'm trying to do my best. You know, I represent my sponsors a lot, uh, Predator, Kamui on the wire. You know, I, I shout them out a lot. I do whatever I can to help them because I know in return, it'll help me mm-hmm. and it'll help everyone else. It'll help the pool world. And I think, uh, a lot of the pool players have just a give me, give me, what can you do for me attitude when you have to do stuff for the sponsors first, because Nike's not going to want to help you out first. 
Yeah, you know, that's an interesting take. I, I was just listening. Mike Howerton has a podcast and I was listening to his the other day and they were talking about back when Camel sponsored uh, Pro Pool in the United States yeah. and it was Camel cigarettes, right? And, right. you know, it was mentioned that the players would come in with their Marlboros and put them down on the table or different brands of cigarettes. And it's like they didn't even want to support the, um, you know, the brand that was sponsoring you know, the event, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, we have some of that now where there's this maybe almost like an entitlement from time to time uh, where players feel like that the sponsors need to give them something, but I, I think you're right. You need to give back. And I know Emily from Matchroom has really been pushing for you guys to get more on social media, Instagram, you know, and have a presence and, and be a part of it. I, I want to give you a chance to say just a little bit more about your sponsors and what they mean to you. Yeah, um, I have Predator Cues. You know, they mean a lot to me. They do a lot for me, and they do a lot for the sport. They're sponsoring almost every tournament that is streamed, and it's crazy. And uh, I think, you know, they have the best equipment out there. And I'm just switched to the 11.8 Revo, which is absolutely insane. Uh, it keeps us, the revolutions in the ball a lot better. And, you know, with dirty equipment, it is absolutely stealing. What it's what uh? Did you switch to that before Moscone or just now? I got, I was tempting. I got, I got it like 10 days before Moscone cup and I used it for one day and I was like, damn, I'm playing so well. <laughs> and then, and then I just looked at myself in the mirror and said, you gotta, you can't switch right now. Yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. do that. I, I think I hit a, a slow inside spin shot and I missed it by a diamond. And I said, okay, and I put it back in my case until I, until after Moscone cup. So now I finally get to get used to it and I'm feel, hitting them great with it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Predator on the wire, creative media, uh, Rahanna, he does a really good job of streaming and, you know, he's a, he's been a big supporter of mine. He's been pushing my, uh, likeness for quite a while. And since he started his business and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd have a lot of good friends and family, uh, Kamui tips, you know, I use their tips. The, Which one? I use the, the black soft. Okay. With yeah. the clear underneath or just. No, no, oh. just regular. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, my family, my parents, Tara and Jared, my little brother, Adam, you know, too many people to, to name. I have such a supportive family and, you know, uh, friends, fan group and uh, supporters that just are behind me 100 percent. And I couldn't do it without them for sure. So tell me, you're still young, uh, but so far, who has emerged as maybe your biggest rival? Rival. Um, it's it's hard because um, it's I don't really I don't really think that way. I mean I I'm I'm kind of just against myself. If that makes sense. Like it's like I never think of like like when I'm reflecting on a match, I never think, oh man, he should have made this ball and he should have missed that ball or whatever. You know, I just I only think of my performance, so it's. It's hard to uh, say a rival. I guess I'm my biggest rival. You know, when I get in my own head and I, uh, I don't know. I, I, you don't have a player that, you know, you've, you maybe struggle against or they always pop up in your bracket or, you know, nobody like that. Um, I mean, Alex always gives me, well, no, he always puts the work on me. Uh, I beat him the first time I ever played him and then at the World Pool Series. And then ever since then, dude, he takes it 110%. He does not leave me <laughs> one. Like, if he, 
he won't even leave me a jump ever. It's just frozen to the back of the ball. Uh, or yeah, he, but it's, it's almost like, uh, the pro the people that I generally have problems beating are the people that uh, I've looked up to for a long time. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, Oscar Dominguez, I had a trouble, I had problems beating him for a long time. Um, because, you know, I just looked up to him. I learned from him and he taught me a lot, you know, uh, I'd say Alex and, uh, Dennis, Alex and Dennis, you know, I always play them cheap sets and I just try to learn. But then uh, one time I played, I think recently right before the Shane and Dennis match, uh, I played Dennis for a hundred a set. We played race to 11. I run, he, I, I win the flip. I break and run a two in 10 ball. And then I think the next ball that I see visibly, that isn't a kick. I was down nine, two. <laughs> He's sick. Yeah. And then I told him, I said, if I wanted to watch you run out, I can watch it for free on YouTube. Yeah. I don't have to pay you for it. <laughs> I'm like, you're just going to do this every time. Where? What's the point? Yeah. But, uh, but recently it's funny because uh, I think my, my mental game is allowing me to beat a lot of the top players now. And I think uh, I made a, a huge push at Moscone cup and I'm going to keep making huge pushes and, uh, you know, just strides toward being, I, I think I could be the best player in the world. And I don't, I don't care what anyone else thinks because I think I can, that's all that matters. So uh, when I saw Shane come back and beat Dennis, I was there live and I, I bet a thousand on Shane, uh, but I hope you hear this Shane. I bet a thousand, but uh, I hope he hears it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Trying to get him on here. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll message him. I'll, I'll make him come on. All right. <laughs> he, uh, if we can get him off the lake, I see he's posting those. Oh lakes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Corey, Corey and I were joking with, with Shane about that. You're like, why do you keep, why do you keep posting that you catch the same fish? Where, why does, <laughs> where do you go that the same fish just keeps following you around? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just funny. But, uh, when I saw, when I saw Sh or Coyle come back and beat Shane, I, I wanted to just, and I saw Shane look kind of defeated, but I know he wasn't defeated. He just wanted to play again. But uh, I just wanted to go up to Dennis and be like, hey, do you want to play some? Because, you know, I took kind of personal that he beat our guy, right? But in my head, I'm like, bro, I shouldn't do that, right? If you're not, your game's not there yet. But in my head, I want to go do that. I want to just call him out and just beat him. But, uh, you know, so, like, it's, it's, it's just uh, – I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm, that's my goal is just be able to just walk up to Dennis and be like, and I want him, I want me, I want to be able to walk up to Dennis and him be like, nobody, no, thanks. You know? Yeah. That's, that, it's, you know, hopefully it's not because he's too old and can't see you, but because <laughs> I got that much better, you know? And that I just want to, I just want to be one of the best in the world and I'm going to be one of the best in the world. And I just, I want to be the best in the world. And that's, that's my goal. So that was my question. What are your goals from here? So you want to be the best in the world? Are you talking yeah. world championship, U.S. Open, all of the above? I just want—I just want to win every major tournament, and I just—I one pocket banks everything. I want to be just an all-around monster, and I—I I want it to be where, when people see me, that they drew me, I want them to think in their head that they already lost. Wow, I like that. A little dark, but whatever. <laughs> You brought up Corey uh, yeah. with the Moscone Cup. <clears throat> so that must have been a hard, hard situation for him. You know, what are your thoughts on him having to get caught up the last minute and 
stepping in for you guys? Well, I don't, I don't think it was that he wasn't prepared. I think it was, it was more of a mental battle for him because he felt like, you know, he wasn't on the team, you know, and I, I kept trying to, you know, I'm a very positive person. I, I, I think I'm a good teammate because, you know, I like keeping everyone happy. I like keeping everyone involved. And I feel like for a team to operate, uh, you're only, you know, you're on, like even anything, you're only as happy as the happiest, as the least happy person there, you know? So, uh, you know, we all try to help each other out and I think we did a good job, but I think it was hard for Corey one, because he didn't, if he knew he was going to make it, he would have had preparation and he had no preparation at all. You know, he was just going, I think he played a bar box tournament in Wyoming and went home and then got a call and, you know, he would, he wasn't exactly, uh, I think he was in between cues and cause he didn't think he had anything, you know what I mean? Like he didn't think he had a tournament to go play, you know? So he wasn't, uh, I mean, I think, I think he did, he came into the situation as well as he could have, uh, on his end. And, um, you know, it just, it, I think it, the, it was just Europe's year. And, uh, I think if you would have give him a few weeks notice, he would, you know, we all would have, not we all, but, uh, everything would have turned out a little better, but, uh, due to, sudden last minute changes you know he's still a champion he's still a u.s open winner he's still you know everything he's an amazing player he's a top american player and i don't think you can go wrong with any of the top american players if you got to choose one you know last minute i mean they went with experience and um you know i think i think we europe was just too much for us this year just uh off how we played you know they, they definitely played a little better obviously so yeah, they rolled good, but they played good too. You can't take anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, you can get all the rolls in the world, and if you don't run out, it doesn't matter, and vice versa. You can run, you could run out all the time and to get no rolls and still lose. So it's how pool is, and I wouldn't take, I wouldn't put too much heat on Corey, even though uh, everyone on the internet does. It's just again, it's part of the whole how pool is going to get bigger. Is everyone talking about it? So, yeah. Chris, as I talk to a lot of these top players like yourself you know, a recurring theme comes up when these players really made a leap. They spent time in Asia, you know, mm. or they spent time in the Philippines and, and uh, really challenged themselves. You know, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was Tyler Steyer said he went over there with a few thousand dollars, knew he was going to lose, but just wanted that seasoning and started playing people. Oscar spent quite a bit of time, Rodney Morris, you know, they all talked about the time that they spent over there. And I'm curious, once this pandemic's over and the world opens back up, do you have any plans to head over to the Philippines and uh, take on some of those guys? You know, what's funny is actually after the, the Vegas 10 ball tournament that I got fifth in, uh, I was supposed to go to the Philippines a few months later with a uh, Jesus Atencio. Oh yeah. Uh, him and I were supposed to go over there um, for, you know, like a month or something and just really sharpen our game and play everybody. And uh, it just, it just didn't work out. I obviously don't want to go right now. That'd be terrible. Um, everything's crazy right now, but uh, I will go eventually for sure. Cause I know it's that experience that a lot of people need, but um you know, I've been, I've been through a lot pool wise. Uh, I've been through had a lot of, a lot of ups and downs for sure. And, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm, 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 I'm pretty seasoned for not going out and about to China and all that place places. I, I did go to China for the world championships, the junior world championships. 
uh, where I got ninth in 2015. That was cool. But uh, other than that, I haven't really been out. But, you know, I go to every tournament in the U.S. and, uh, you know, I, I just want it. So it seems like you might still be pretty connected to the junior scene. At least your heart seems to be in the junior scene. Who's the next Chris Robinson? Oh, boy. There's a lot of really good, talented kids out there. Um, uh, Lazaro Martinez and his brother, Gabe, Gabriel, Lazen Gabriel. They are, I think, 13 to 14 years old. Uh, Lazaro beat Roberto at that tournament that we were at in Texas. Mm-hmm. Beat him hill hill and handled the nerves perfectly. Uh, he beat him hill hill and then didn't celebrate, didn't do anything. He was real humble about it. And I ran up to him after. And uh, <laughs> and I was like, dude, congrats, dude. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, I played okay. <laughs> you know, I missed, I missed this ball at this, you know, and he's just thinking about what he could have done better. And I think having that mindset at that age is ridiculous. You know, I didn't start playing until I was 14. So imagine what he could do, you know. Uh, it's crazy. And, and I think we're trying to get both of them sponsored by Predator. I called – Karim the owner and I was like you, you got to invest early in these two and uh, hopefully it works out and they're on the team because I would love to help them and do anything I can to you know help help their game um, for sure I didn't get to meet him at the Texas Open but I was down on the ball and I, I played a pretty good safe and locked up my opponent and he had to wait for me to finish you know the shot and yeah. You know, I didn't know who he was, but I remember him saying, great shot, you know, like, and he's on a completely different table. And so then he goes around and keeps shooting. And then like a day later, I find out that he's an absolute killer. You know, I just thought it was some kid, you know, really impressed with my shot. And yet the kid (laughs) gives me the eight ball. I don't know. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah. And I talked to Melina Mike about him as well. And uh, Mike was saying that, you know, he's, he's seen him there for years and, you know, he's been a pretty aggressive player, but like this year he shot the right shots, you know, at the right, at the right time. So, you know, he wasn't tempted to go, you know, wing at bank shots or, you know, go for crazy shots. He played really steady. He played safe when he was supposed to. So yeah, I'm excited for that kid. Yeah. I think it's crazy because, you know, it, when you're like my age or, you know, younger, you can really improve within a few months. And like, no one would think you can improve that much within that, that timeframe. And it's, it's crazy because I feel like I've improved more the past five months than I have ever in mind, like ever within a one year or two year span. Like, I, I feel like my games jumped up so much that I just, it's just kind of crazy. Well, wait till so the, the next five months, because that's what I told everybody when you were yeah. selected. I said, look back to Tyler Steyer when he was selected. I mean, he was a good up and coming player. And then yeah. a couple of years later, he he had, you know, really rose through the ranks. And yeah. I expect to see the same thing out of you. So, Chris, I, I, I really thank you for your time. I know it's probably been a whirlwind with the Moscone Cup and the build up to it. And, you know, ever since. So I, I really appreciate making the time to talk to me and I want to just turn it over to you for any closing thoughts, any, any final thoughts you want to share with the audience? Um, oh, one more thing about the, the junior, what do you said? Um, you asked me a question about the junior players, my advice to them. 
my advice to them would be do not burn bridges. Um, try to treat it like a sport where you take care of your body and, you know, everything else and uh, practice like you would in a, like you would play in a game and uh, love it. If you don't love it, there's no point in doing it. And um, I'd really just say, uh, is that fluffy? Just do your best. <laughs> is that fluffy over there? <laughs> yeah. He had something to say. Too. <laughs> That's awesome. That's <laughs> what I was saying, but. Um, but just giving you the opportunity, anything you want to say to the fans or people out there. Okay. Um, yeah, just um, thank you for everyone that supports me as you know it's i've gotten so much support especially after the moscone cup and uh i know all the people that were there before i made moscone cup and all that that have been just super supportive no matter what happened and uh, i just want to thank them all and thank you to my new fans and followers and all that stuff and uh you know i just i can't wait to see what will happen